Welcome back to High Point Online. My name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor here at High Point Church. Always a delight to be with you. Uh, wherever you're watching from, thank you for being part of it. Uh, today, I want to speak to you very uh, briefly and very succinctly about how you treat other people. The way you treat people, the way you see people, the way you love people, the way you interact with people. I realize that can sound like a very overly, an overly simplistic message and an overly simplistic sermon, but catch this for just a minute. At High Point, we teach and preach uh, that Jesus is real, that Jesus is the Son of God, uh, that Jesus died for our sins, the sins of humanity, and that salvation is experienced when you put your trust in Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, and you begin to follow Him. And what the scriptures teach us is that as we surrender our hearts to the Lord, that he fills us with the Holy Spirit and he begins to change us. Uh, one of the things that we say around High Point Church is that Jesus changes everything. And if that is in fact true, which we believe it to be, then the manner in which you treat people and the manner in which you see people and love people and serve people should therefore be changed by virtue of Jesus changing you on the inside. If you've put your faith in Jesus, then Jesus should be changing you on the inside. And might I add, even if you're watching today, and maybe you're watching from a distance, maybe you're watching and you haven't yet put your faith in Jesus, even stick around, because even the action steps that we have while some of the motivation might be a little bit different, I promise you, if you will begin to do these things, you will see some of the fruit of what it looks like to simply live for God, even if you haven't put your faith in Him yet. Let me ask you this. Let's flip this thing around for a minute. Think about an interaction you had that was terrible, right? Think about a moment where the service that you experienced was bad. Right now, or, or the way people, somebody treated you, don't put anybody's name in the comment section right now, okay? If you're like, oh my gosh, my brother so-and-so, well, don't do that. <laughs> but, but it probably doesn't take you long to think about an interaction that you had that was terrible with a restaurant or a customer service moment at a department store or whatnot. Some of you have establishments and restaurants that you don't even go to anymore. Because your experience there has just been poor. Maybe the service was super slow, and it just always seems to be. Maybe the people who are serving you just kind of seem a little rough or a little bit rude. Pick whatever the experience might be. Most of us have had one. Amy and I, this past summer, we went on vacation. Uh, we rented a cabin for a few days, and our, you know, some of our extended family uh, joined us. And while we were out and about driving around one of the days, we, we, we wanted coffee. I mean, let's be honest. You need coffee. You need Jesus, and then you need coffee, okay? Amen. That being said, we, a lot of places were closed. So, you know, you're, you're searching and you're calling. We found a place. Dunkin' Donuts was available. They met us in our time of need, kind of. So I pull up to the drive-thru. Amy's dad is in the passenger seat. You know, uh, Amy's mom, Amy are in the, in the middle seat. All the kids are crammed in the back. The, 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 the vehicle is slammed. 
I pull up to the drive-thru, and you know sometimes you have these drive-thru interactions that are a little bit awkward because you're rolling the window down, but you don't, you don't know who needs to talk first. Like, they're on the other end. Do they know that I'm here? Should I let them know that I'm here? Should I just sit and wait for them to say something? We don't always know. So I roll the window down, and very kindly, I said, hi, hi, are you ready for our order? It's a young guy on the other end of the intercom. He says, no, hold on. By the way, we aren't serving hot food. Go ahead with your order. You know, I, I turn and I'm like, okay, maybe, it, maybe he's just having a moment, not, not the end of the world. And so we're figuring out our, or what we're going to order. But, and then it dawned on me, you're not serving hot food. So I leaned out the window and I said, I know you're not serving hot food. Does, does that mean you're not serving hot drinks too? And he says, I already told you we're not serving hot food. Now, this was, this was a stunning display of just rudeness. And I turn and I'm, I turn to David, Amy's dad. I'm kind of looking around in the backseat. Am I the only one who heard this? And then I hear the voice on the intercom one more time. I hear you talking in the car. Okay. <laughs> now, as I spit laughing about this moment right here on camera. <laughs> now, in, a, in typical fashion, you would want to take extra seat belts and strap me right to the driver's side to the driver's seat because I'd want to come out of my shoes but I was actually as calm as can be you know who was about to rupture through the window my lovely wife Amy King she she has spent a great deal of time in the hospitality industry thank goodness for child protection locks i just i locked that thing kept her from you know getting out of the car she was ready to reach through that intercom right and i just hit the gas and was like see ya have a great life okay we all know what it's like having a bad interaction and here is the reality of it you remember really great moments, and you remember really terrible moments. This interaction at Dunkin' Donuts has made its way into a sermon where it will be heard by lots of people. This isn't the kind of publicity that you want, right? <laughs> we, we, we want to have moments where the way people experience you and what you believe in and stand for and have put your hope in, we want those to stand out. We want the way you treat people and the way you love people to rise above all the other interactions. The way you love people, the way you treat people, it matters. The way that you serve people, it matters. And when you profess, if you are a Christian watching, if you have put your faith in Jesus, who speaks a great deal about the manner in which we love one another, the Gospels are about God's love for humanity. If our interactions with other people don't reflect God's love for the world, well, then why would anyone want what you have? Why would anybody want what I have? The way you treat people 
matters. The way you serve them, it matters as well. Turn to Luke chapter 10. We're going to get into a, a parable here uh, with Jesus as he's speaking to an expert in the law here. Uh, <clears throat> in fact, we'll just jump straight, straight into it. Luke 10 verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Never a good idea. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what's written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And also love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you'll live. But he wanted to justify himself. He wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who, well, who's my neighbor? You can almost see a little bit of pompous, you know, head back, well, well, who exactly is my neighbor? In other words, I'm going to get this exactly right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skirt up to the line and do no more. I want to know what is required of me, that for that, and I don't want to give an ounce more to this situation. Who's my neighbor so I know who I'm supposed to love and all the other people I don't have to treat that way? Mm-hmm. In reply, Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Priests happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw, uh, saw him, passed by on the other side as well. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any expense, any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. Expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus says, go and do likewise. It's a powerful parable for us to understand what it looks like to, to love people and see people the way Christ sees people. Now, it's worth noting in this moment that the, the Pharisee, the expert in the law, right, similar to, to who Jesus is potentially talking to here, is, is a man that walks past the need of the man who's been beaten and bruised. The Levite, who's a part of temple worship, also a religious individual, right? These two men, the Pharisee and the Levite, are to represent Somebody who knows how to have relationship with God, and yet here they are disregarding one of the most uh, critical aspects of God's heart for humanity, and that is that God is close to those who are brokenhearted. He's close to those who are marginalized. He's close to those who are bruised and beaten and battered and are going through a difficult time. Jesus' heart, God's very heart, Beats for those, for all of us, who are going through it. 
This man's been beaten. He's been bruised. And yet, the expert in the law who wants to know who his neighbor is, he's made this thing, this kind of religious equation. It's all about technicality. And this is the rot of religion. Is that religion makes relationship with Jesus nothing more than a series of technicalities. A couple things to get right. Make sure you don't get these wrong. Do it this way. Do it like that. And you're good. And the reality is, loving people the way Christ loves others, treating them, serving them, it's messy. It's complicated. It doesn't fit into a nice little coloring book where everything is inside the lines. It just doesn't fit or work that way. See, the, the reality is that, that most of you aren't walking outside. You're not going for a walk in your neighborhood and, and coming across somebody who is on the other side of the street who's been beaten up and left for dead. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the vast majority of you are not encountering that, certainly not on a consistent basis, okay? This isn't your interaction, but it doesn't change the fact that many people are still feeling bruised and battered and kind of beaten up in this season. And I realize that's a jump in this moment, but understand the point of the passage isn't that somebody's robbed and beaten, it's that they are in great and tremendous need. Our culture, the neighbors around us, our community is in need and feels bruised and feels battered and feels beaten. Social media has people feeling beaten up right now. I mean, when you scroll on that thing, you just you feel exhausted, worn out, and like you just took one on the chin. Just by scrolling, the, the, the name of the term is doom scrolling on Facebook, if that gives you any idea. Doom scrolling. <laughs> people are feeling beat up. People are feeling bruised financially. The financial pressures right now. Oh, the, the strain and stress of it. People's relationships. People are beat up by temptation. Beat up by insecurity right now. Beat up with unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness. Beat up by shame and condemnation. Now, let's be honest. Some of the bruising that we're talking about is self-induced by actions that we've taken, some of it is the fact that we have an enemy named Satan who is doing everything he can to discourage you, to resist you, and to keep you from living a free life in God's presence. Oh, he's working. And then there's also just the reality of living in a fallen and broken world. Fallen and broken, broken things happen in a broken world. And so it's easy to feel just busted up right now. It's been a tough stretch for a lot of people. So if Jesus was sharing this parable with us in our world, what would that look like? So you got to love what Jesus does. You know, the, the, the church guy, the expert in the law, the church, the, the church dude, right? Jesus cuts through 
the religion here and he gets to the heart. This guy wants to parcel out who his neighbor is and kind of, you know, edge up to the line rather than simply running in the direction of wonderful relationship with Jesus or relationship with God and simply having a heart that desires to do what's right. This guy is simply trying to justify himself by getting it you know, I'm going to get it just, I'm going to get as close to this line as I possibly can without grow, going over. And Jesus cuts through the noise and, 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 and tells the parable about who this guy's neighbor really is. The guy who's been beaten up, who's his neighbor and who's acting like a neighbor. This parable, you may not know it, is addressing things like nationalism. It's, it's addressing some, some subtle things of, of religion and hypocrisy. It's addressing some, some things on race and just the tensions that exist between a Jewish person and a Samaritan. They don't mix. And for the Samaritan to kind of be the hero in this story, serving the Jew who's been robbed and beaten, this would have spoken volumes in this parable. Because they're walking in with preconceived ideas of how God works, who God works, what the lines are, and, and do it this way, do it like that, and, and you're good to go. And Jesus messes all that up by redefining what it means to treat people the way Jesus treats people, to love them, to serve them, to see them, to love your neighbor. What would this parable look like to us? It wouldn't be, if Jesus were here right now, he wouldn't be sharing a parable for you and I on Jew and Samaritan. But maybe it would be black person on one side of the street and white person on the other. Maybe, maybe this parable would be would be BLM supporter on one side, Trump supporter on the other. Oh, the animosity, the tension, surely not. Anti-vax on one side, mask lover on the other. Democrat, Republican, Pick the tension right now. There's only about one of 50 that you could choose culturally that would make sense that Satan has used to alienate and push and drive people apart. The reality is God has called us to love our neighbor. But many times we want to define who our neighbor is. And Jesus in this moment is lifting all the lines off the ground. There is no defining moment. There's no definition. There's no boundary as to who your neighbor is. You are called to love people, period. And see them the way Jesus sees them, to serve them, to love your neighbor. If you want to serve your community, the greatest way to do it is to love your neighbor without reservation. To simply choose Christ's way of love. I'm putting your needs before my own. I'm putting your hurts, your pain before my own. I'm putting what you need to hear before I, what I want to say. 
putting you first. And I'm laying my life down for you. Second Corinthians 5.20, Paul writes to the Corinthian church. I love this. It's one of my favorite passages. He says, we are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So your love for your neighbor, just in case we want to clear this up and, and make sure we're all on the same page, your love for your neighbor, which, by the way, has no boundaries, it's simply the people that God has put in your life. Your love for these people is to reflect God's love for the world. You represent Jesus. You are literally his dignitary, his ambassador. You, you, you walk in the fullness and representation of who Christ is. When you show up somewhere, you are doing so on Christ's behalf. You represent him. And God makes his appeal for other people to know him through you. Which is why the way you treat people matters. The way you serve people matters. Getting back to the very beginning, if your life is just all janky and bitter and, and, and unforgiveness rules the day, or you're just... Let's, let's call, let's make it real simple. You're just a grouch all the time, okay? How does that represent the love of Jesus? It doesn't. And we need to turn away from that and allow the love of Christ and His, the way He loves and values people, that needs to become central in your life. Center stage of the Christian faith is that Jesus offers the only true hope for a lost and broken world. But a lost and broken world doesn't want to hear or receive what Christians have to offer if what we're offering just looks kind of tainted. It's like, hey, oh, you're thirsty right now? Let me give you this just nasty bottle of water that's got floaties in it. Mm, nobody wants that. Sorry, I'll remain parched before I drink that. That looks gross. And yet, is that not what it looks like when, when we don't demonstrate more than anything else? I'm not saying that your life should be perfect because it's not going to be. There are going to be lots of moments where you blow this and jack this up. But again, what does loving people look like? Well, it looks like you humbly going to them and saying, you know what? I lost my temper back there. I'm sorry. Or I was a real grouch this morning. Uh, please forgive me. That's not, that's not who I am. That's not who I'm supposed to be. My bad. And again, what is that? That's the way of love. That's the way of humility. Ideally, we also get good on catching that on the front end. And you begin to treat people well in your initial interaction with them. When Amy and I were dating, Amy's my wife. She used to work at a restaurant called P.F. Chang's. And in the kind of early 2000s, P.F. Chang's was the jam, okay? It's, it's not quite what it used to be. It's okay. 
she, you know, she kind of rose in ranks in PF Changs, and we began to date. And when she started dating somebody, it was kind of a big deal. And you know, I would come into the restaurant, and the manager loved Amy, and by virtue of loving Amy, therefore loved me, and would give me free food. I had free PF Changs any time I rolled into the restaurant. I also went because I wanted to see Amy. Let's be very clear, but Kung Pao Chicken called my name, all right? And her manager's name was Ken, top dog. And when Amy and I finally got engaged and we you know, were, were planning our wedding, we did not have much money. It was obvious. Yeah, I mean, we just, we didn't have a whole lot going on. We were young and just the, the way everything crumbled and the way it all shook, we didn't have a whole lot. And I remember this interaction. I remember this so vividly because Ken offered to cook P.F. Chang's for our rehearsal dinner. Now we're, you know, we're sitting here like, wait, what? Now you got to remember it. Chang's is the, it is the spot right now. And we have only like a hundred people, it feels like, in our wedding party. And at the time, PF Changs, there was no catering side. There was no staff that did catering. There was nobody that was booking that. There was no arm of the restaurant that did any kind of catering for events or parties. It did not exist. It was simply a restaurant that you went and ate at. And so as he's offering this, no one experienced this. No one was getting offered this. And we didn't know how much it was going to cost. And he just was like, tell me what you want. We're going to make this happen. And he calls, the, he, he, they've got staff that shows up and they're in full garb and they've brought the walks. And I mean, people are just rolling up from Chang's and they begin to cook and do the chicken, you know, the, the, the lettuce wraps and the Kung Pao chicken. And of course, we didn't tell anybody. So all of a sudden, P.F. Chang's is getting served at the rehearsals. And it was like the, it was like the miracle of water to wine with Jesus. People were like, what the? You saved the best for last, baby. And it was awesome. And here I am still talking about this moment because the, the demonstration of value and love and, and, going out of the way to make a difference in our lives, it stood out so much above the rest. And I've never forgotten it. And in the same way that I've talked about a bad moment, I'm now talking to you about a great one. And our lives are, are, are to be lived in such a way. They don't need to be these grandiose moments. This interaction with Chanks, it was obviously a significant one in my life. But the reality is, when you look at, when you take stock of the relationships in your life and those who've made the greatest impact for you, more often than not, it's a series of continued little things that remind you that this person loves you no matter what. There's no boundary line that separates you across the street. Race isn't the issue. Skin color isn't the issue. How much money you make isn't the issue. What you believe ultimately isn't the issue. What kind of house you have, car you drive, job you have. 
what kind of junk you're bringing into the relationship. All of these things ultimately don't matter as it pertains to how you love people well. I'm not saying that you don't have to have boundaries at times. You definitely do. You can have unhealthy relationships. But in this moment, what we're talking about is not that. It's about you walking across the street and giving your life to somebody else who needs it. You've got a neighbor that's that lives right next to you that needs the love that you have for them. You got somebody that you work with. You got somebody that you see in Starbucks on a regular basis that you need to encourage, that you need to engage in a relationship with, that you need to open your mouth and talk to or literally just as something as simple as a regular smile. And the reason we are intentional about this is because we because God has changed you on the inside. Because he's changed you, it changes how you see other people. It changes the way you treat them, the way you serve them, the way you love them. And that's going to be uncomfortable at times. That's going to be uncomfortable lots of times. It's going to require time. It's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require thought. Because living this way, this is what is required. To live this way. If the Holy Spirit never moves you to love people in a way that that has you feeling uncomfortable at times, then you probably aren't loving your neighbor very well. I want to say that one more time. If the Holy Spirit never moves you to discomfort, if you're never stretched beyond what you're comfortable with, if you're never ever in an awkward moment, if you're never uncomfortable, then the reality is you're you're probably not loving people super well because the Holy Spirit will continue to move you and stretch that neighborly boundary line as to who your neighbor is and how you are supposed to love them. See, we're in a series right now called This Is What We Do. We just finished This Is Who We Are and This Is What We Do. In summation, what do we do? We love our neighbors. We love them like this. So three real simple ways for you today. As you're watching online, wherever you're from, everybody can do this. And we're going to start off with three things. And the first two are actually pretty easy in theory. Here's your first way to to love people well. Just a subtle thing to begin leavening into who you are and what you do. Express gratitude. It's amazing what happens in a relationship when you reject entitlement and you are thoughtful to say thank you. Oh, somebody, somebody did something for you? Say thank you. Somebody opened the door for you? Say thank you. Somebody sent you a nice text? Say thank you. Somebody, again, pick the interaction, but gratitude has a way of, of opening the door in relationships. Simply being the kind of person who overly says thank you, who's gracious, who smiles who looks people in the eyes and affirms them. It's amazing what thank you does looking somebody in the eyes. There's a, there's a measure of value and worth that happens there as well. I see you and I see what you did for me. Thank you. Thanks for that. I acknowledge you. 
across the street, your neighbor, your coworker who got you a Starbucks or picked up the papers that you dropped, something as simple as that. Somebody did for something for you, took you out. Say thank you. Young people that are watching, as in like if you're watching with your parents, kids, say thank you to your mom and dad. Say thank you to your teacher, your coach, your band instructor. Thank you. It's amazing what it'll begin to do. Secondly, um, I want to encourage you to learn people's names. Become a learner, okay? Become a learner. Be the kind of person who goes out of their way to remember people's names. Say their name out loud to them. Acknowledge that you know who they are. Once again, in a world that has been bound up by loneliness and people have felt stuck and isolated, it's amazing what happens in terms of loving them when you acknowledge who they are and that you know them. They matter in this world. They matter. Loving people acknowledges that people matter. How much more can you, can you, can you uh, communicate that by remembering their name? That means maybe you need to take your phone app out, your notes app out, and write the names down of somebody that you just interacted with. The grocery store clerk, somebody you met at church. The new neighbor across the street. I, I know what this is like when you met somebody and four seconds later you're like, what was their name? Because <laughs> you weren't really paying attention. Be intentional. Write it down. And remind yourself so that the next time you see them, you know their name. Then thirdly, this is going to get you out of your, your comfort zone right now especially. I want to I encourage you to share a meal with people. So many things in Jesus' ministry exist around a table with food because there is something that happens in terms of communicating value and love and having real conversation when you begin to talk around food. It's amazing. My house growing up was the kind of house where everybody wanted to go. Everybody wanted to hang out. All the teens hung out at my house. You know what? where the conversations never took place? The foyer. No, that's never where the conversation happens. Where does it happen? The kitchen, where the food is, where the refrigerator is open, where people are sitting at the little, you know, the, the little, the high boy table or the kitchen table. This is where people become comfortable and the walls come down and they begin to talk about real life. And all of a sudden you're having a conversation and somebody's getting emotional because they need prayer. They've never talked to somebody about this. That's not happening in the foyer. That's not happening at the grocery store, most likely, but it might happen around a meal. Invite someone in to your world. Bring them in. Communicate value to them. Extend an invitation. That means getting uncomfortable. That means getting to know somebody well enough to invite them over. And right now, if you're like COVID, uh-uh. You know what you can still do? You could get your grill, roll it into the driveway. And you could grill a hot dog or a hamburger in your driveway if you're not comfortable having somebody into your house. Don't hide behind an unwillingness or, or the conditions of the day for having no relationships. You can. 
And you can love people well, even in this season, this weird, crazy season we find ourselves in nationally and globally. We can still do it, and we can do it well. Those are simply three ways. They're not the only ways, but they're three ways that you can love people well in this season. Let's love our neighbor. Father, thank you for this time. Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts in this moment. Help us to become more like you. Help people to treat people the way you treat them, to love them and serve them well. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.